0: Thank you so much for joining us for the Summit Podcast. This message was produced with you in mind, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has shown himself faithful in your life. Email us at Oh, Good evening, dear friends. I, um, yeah, yeah, you got that fellowship thing down pretty good. <laughs> um... This is, uh, I wish I could stay for the night of worship tomorrow night, but I'm not going to uh, be able to. I'm going to fly back um, to Dallas tomorrow. But uh, <laughs> Sincerely, I just want to thank you. I, I, um, I deeply love my church in Cedar Hill, Texas. I mean, I'm in love with my church in Cedar Hill, Texas, but I don't feel like it's adultery to also fall in love with you. <laughs> Um, so, I now have two churches that I just I'm just in love with, and um, I uh, can assure you that that um, our, our, our relationship will not be over when I leave tomorrow. And um, our church will be will be praying for you and available to you to just serve you and help you. Um, as soon as you start a building program, we'll send you some money. You know, just. Just um, whatever we can do to really help the kingdom of God expand in this um, this part of this part of God's earth, Amen, Amen. I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight about um, the Holy Spirit. And again, if I could just have a little bit more light, I think my glasses might be just a tad dirty or something tonight. So, just a little bit more light um the message is um simply called help from heaven help from heaven <clears throat> and um my heart my heart is that christians would live well in a really jacked up world <laughs> uh, this is such a dysfunctional world that we're, that we're living in. But we don't have to be dysfunctional. And, and we're not dysfunctional. We can be whole. That's the great grace that's in our life. We can be whole. And so I, I just want to share with you some ideas about wholeness that are specific to the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, the text is John 14, verse um, 15 If you love me, this is Jesus, this is red letters, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I'm gonna ask the Father, he will give you another, I'm reading from the NIV, so it says counselor, I think New King James Version says helper, he'll give you another helper, another counselor, and he will be with you a really long time, forever. He'll be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit will be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees nor knows him, but you know him. You know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I'm not leaving you as orphans. I... I will come to you. And then, for me, I just have to turn the page, and I go to chapter 16. Chapter 16, and um, I'm just going to read, let's see, let's read verse 1. All this I have told you so that you would not go astray. All this I have told you so you would not be dysfunctional. Um, You would not be lost. All this I have told you so that you would not go astray. And now I'm jumping down to verse 7 of 16, I tell you the truth, I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. can't imagine how sad the disciples were when they found out Jesus was leaving them. He's explaining, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor, the helper, will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world of um, a number of things. Let's... uh, Let's go to verse 12 of that same chapter. I have much more. I have much more to say to you. Jesus is still talking. I have much more to say to you. More than you can bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. When he comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is to come. He will bring glory to me. Jesus says the Holy Spirit when he comes will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine and and that is why I said the Spirit will take what is mine and make it known to you. I guess the main thing we want to know about the Holy Spirit is that the nature of his ministry, some people think it should be a feminine pronoun, so I'm comfortable either way his, her, however you want to talk about the Holy Spirit. But the main thing we need to know about the Holy Spirit is it is a spotlight ministry. Okay, do you watch The Voice or those things? You know, like, those guys are decent singers. But boy, when they put those spotlights on them, you know what I'm saying? It really makes them look spectacular. Well, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He, she puts the spotlight. Does that make you stumble if I call the Holy Spirit the she? Or you're like, oh, I have to think about that. We'll we just call him he because the Bible does. All right, So we'll just say he. All right, so he, the Holy Spirit, just puts a, a brilliant light on Jesus, a bright, bright light. On Jesus, that's, that's the main thing that he does. You probably noticed, I hope you noticed, that every night that I've been um, talking to you, I've really been talking about our heart. Um, um, yeah. Because a lot of people think Christianity is behavior modification. It's like, I'm going go to I'm gonna go to church and I'm going to learn, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to learn morals and I'm going to start, I'm going to stop doing bad behavior and I'm going to start doing bad behavior. And, and I'm just really here to contend for the idea that Christianity is not behavior modification. It's growing something from your heart to the outside. It's, it's growing new in, from the inside out. Um, this week I was, my, my Bible study, I was reading about Moses and um, this is like a dramatic moment. Moses has this incredible, these amazing episodes with God. I mean, face-to-face conversations with God. And he's, and he's casting the vision for the people. Hey, you can go into a promised land. You can be an amazing group of people. And, and, and he starts explaining how to get from where they are to where they need to be. And, and he says, oh, guys, oh, guys, you get to choose no other people have chosen, you know, everything's been like structured by God. He, he brought in the captivity. He's, but you, for the first time, you're a people who get to choose. You can choose to be blessed or you can choose to be cursed. <laughs> he, he says, I'm going to give you, God's given us choices now. And he says, there's really amazing opportunity for you ahead in the land. There's gardens. There's minerals. There's minerals. There's, you know, a disease-free life. He actually says these diseases won't even come to you there. Yeah, there's a giant or two in the land. It, there's going to be a few things you have to, you have to struggle with, and you're going to have to obey the commandments. I mean, don't steal and honor the Sabbath. You're going to have to do all those. Have no other gods before me. You have to do all of those. And while he's in the middle of casting all this incredible vision about how the people are going to get from there to there, he, it's like he he pauses. It's like he goes, oh, I, said, oh, I, just, I just wish you had a heart for this. I says, I, I'm giving you all this information, and, and I just don't know if your heart is going to, Get you to the new place," he says. "Oh, I just wish you, I just wish you could have a circumcised heart," he says in one place. He he says, "Oh, I I I just wish you would love the Lord with all your heart." You see, and so he just ends up talking about the heart just just all the time, and he's like, yeah, yeah, let's put, the, let's put all the scripture information on the doorpost of our house, and, and let's wear the commandments, you know, like good Jewish people, let's do all that. But what Moses is really saying, oh, oh, oh get this in your heart. Get this in your heart, and I, I'm not Moses, I'm just Jim, but I'm, I'm just, that's kinda where I'm at tonight. I'm like, oh, please, the kiss of God is on your church. The presence of God is on your church. The harvest of God is available to your church. Oh, get, this in your, get this in your heart. It's not enough to have information. It's not enough to have good doctrine or, or data. This has to, it has to come into your heart. And, and I'll, just, I'll just tell you as plain as I can because I'm leaving now and I might not ever, ever, ever come back again, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'll come back as soon as I can. But. But this is my life. You might not want me back after what I tell you tonight. And what I'm telling you tonight is I don't care how good you are, you cannot live the life that God has offered us without some help. You can't do this in your own discipline or your own steam. And that's why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to recalibrate our heart to 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 help our heart want to live near God, to, to help our heart firmly grip God's, to help our heart build the root that trust in, in our heart needs help. And, Jesus knew our heart would need. He knew that the information and the data would not be enough. So he sent the Holy Spirit to help our heart. And, you know, if you try to live Christianity without accepting God's help, I I predict, I know, I've been around a a few times, you will end up defaulting. You'll be a rule-keeping religious person. You'll stay small in your faith. You'll only love people who love you back. Your, your heart will hold on to its old instincts and you will get so tired trying to be a spiritual person because you'll be doing it all in your own energy and in, your, in your that, your own effort. Jesus sent you the Holy Spirit to help you be great. I should just stop right now cuz you're with me here you go right i just want to say two thing two ways that the holy spirit wants to help us there's many many more but these just two ways he wants to help us number 1 holy spirit manifests god holy spirit manifests god 1614 of john jesus is talking he says when he the holy spirit comes he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine, and make it known. He will make it known to you. He will manifest it to you. Fifteen twenty six says, "When the Helper comes, whom I'll send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, He will." Testify of me these things I've spoken to you so that you won't you won't stumble. I think this is my favorite story in the New. I don't know why I say that. It's one of my favorite stories in the New Testament. It's in John nine. It just makes me laugh every time I review it. Um, Jesus decided to heal a blind guy on the Sabbath day. Come on, he was deliberate. He, he's such a troublemaker, this Jesus, right? <clears throat> He heals a blind guy on the Sabbath day. And the blind guy goes back to his neighborhood, and his neighbors notice, you can see. You used to be blind from birth, and now you're not blind from birth. And they're like, what happened to you? He's like, I'm not sure. (laughs) He's like, this Jesus guy, Spit in some mud and rubbed the mud on my eyes. And the next thing, you know, I, he told me to go to the pool and wash the mud off my eyes. And when I did, I, I began I began to see, Wow! Well, the neighbors are like, we have to, this is amazing stuff. I don't know if they had newspapers back then, but we're going to get the news out about this. So they're telling everybody, and, and it sort of creates a stir. That's when the controversy began, Right? That's when the controversy began because um, the religious leaders had to investigate this miracle that happened on the Sabbath. you got to have religious police making sure everything happens the right way. It's supposed to happen. So here come the religious police, and they're checking it out, and and they're going, you know, what happened? And they go up to the former blind guy, and they say, are you the former blind guy? He's like, yes. And they're like, tell us what happened to you. He says well, Jesus, mud washed. I I I can see now. No no no. Tell us exactly what happened. He says well, mud washed. Eyes opened. And and the Pharisees like hmm. Uh, Jesus cannot be from God he did this on the sabbath day and and he's like i don't i don't know about this, the blind guy i don't know all i know is he just he put mud on me and he asked the he asked the theologians a theological question he's like but tell me this how can somebody who breaks the law heal blind eyes and and oh the pharisees they did not like that don't push against the pharisee right and, and they turn on the former blind guy, and, and uh, they say, well, what do, you, what do you say about Jesus? I'm quoting the scripture there. What do you say ab- about Jesus? Now we're going to have a debate about, about Jesus. And he's no theologian, the b- former blind guy. So he says, ah, he's a prophet, you know? And then they're like, what do you know? You're not ordained. You didn't go to Bible college, you know? And they actually, get this, they actually accuse the former blind guy of faking his former blindness. It's like, you just made all that blind stuff up. And they say, go get your parents. We'll, we'll investigate further. Is this funny to y'all? It is to me. I'm just, I think it's hilarious. And so they go get the parents. And they're like, is this your former blind son? And they look at him and they're like, yeah. Yeah, that's him. Well, can you explain how now he sees? And they're like, no, he really can't explain that. You'll have to ask him. He's, he's old enough to answer for himself. Ask him. So they go back to the former blind guy. And they're like, "This again, I'm quoting the scripture. Give glory to God. We know, we know Jesus is a sinner. We know this. We know Jesus is a sinner. And the former blind guy says, all I know is that I was blind and now I see. And so they ask him the third time Tell us what Jesus did to you. And he's like, I've told you and I told you again. Do you want me to tell you one more time so you can become a follower of Jesus? Now he's getting a little spunk to him, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <clears throat> Oh, they exploded. They exploded on the former blind guy. And again, here's their quote. We know. This is what we know. We know this. God spoke to Moses, but we don't know where Jesus comes from. And the blind guy can just see him folding his arms, leaning back a little bit and saying, wow, that is remarkable. You don't know where Jesus comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. And then he gives them a lesson. He says, guys, nobody opens blind eyes unless God is with him. And they booted the former blind guy out of the church. (laughs) Why do you think the Pharisees behaved like that? Because... And again, I say this for the last last night because you might boot me out of the church. Um, Pharisees behave like that because human hearts prefer domesticated God over a powerful God. I'll just say it one more time in case you missed it. Um, The Pharisees behave like this because what they knew was being challenged. They, and really every human heart, prefers a domesticated God over a powerful God. We want a God who's predictable. It's the way every religion works. If I want it, to rain then i just give an offering to the rain god and uh, the rain god and god will respond to you know my petition for rain if i want to win the war then i give an offering to the war god if i want to have a baby then i do something for the fertility god and and the point is we want god we need god to help us but we want to stay in charge of the way life looks Um And the problem when we start talking about the Holy Spirit is um, he blows around like the wind see that 's the problem with the Holy Spirit is he blows around like the wind he refuses to fit into predictable boundaries and margins and and some people probably not here in Pennsylvania but in Dallas, I know a few and they just prefer a God that they can cuddle up to. They prefer a God that makes them feel good. They prefer a God that, you know, stays within what they know about God. I don't really want a boundary-breaking God. I don't really want a tornado kind of, kind of God. I don't really want a God that puts, are you kidding, fire on my head and makes me speak in tongues. I don't want any kind of a God a God like that. You know, a God who actually has his own opinion about things, who doesn't really take his marching orders for me, a God who would manifest his will on a Sabbath day, for goodness sake? I mean, that just makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> a God who uses mud? Come on. I mean, God spoke to Moses. Isn't that enough? Let's just study that for the rest of our life. You know? But Jesus said, it's really important, guys, that I go away because there's so much more. I have so much more I I want you to know and I want you to understand. And I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you who can lead you into what you don't yet know, lead you into all truth. Now, come on, give me at least the benefit of the doubt. We have a contemporary version of the same problem. Give me the benefit of the doubt. Here we are, we're, I mean, we're here at church on a Tuesday night, for goodness sake. We're really, we know some things. Come on. We listen to sermons a lot. We, we read the scriptures. We believe the claims of God are true. We, we, we give mental affirmation. We know God loves us. We know he has power and he heals us and, and, and he's very wise and we get all these concepts and, and principles, but when his love just, dis- blows a little bit past what we already know. When his wisdom, when his power is made known in categories and ways that we've never really seen before, then uh, we, just don't, we just don't know about this. See? We, we don't really have a category for a God who blows like the wind. <laughs> you see. And, and again, on my last night, I saved it for last because I'm catching the flight out of time. I'm here to suggest that sometimes the data that we have about God and the history we have about God and the information that we have about God, in other words, what we know about God actually restricts his ability to help us. What we know about God restricts his ability to help us. I'm not saying that if you're stupid, you'll be a better worshiper. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying if God is not bigger than your ability to comprehend him, then his capacity to help you is constrained by you. Want it again? Yeah, good. I'm glad you want it again. If God is not bigger than your ability to comprehend him, then his capacity to help you is constrained by you. See, we, we, what we really want is a God who will lead us into things that we haven't known yet. Um, <clears throat> Mary, <laughs> do you believe Lazarus will rise from the dead? Well, yes, Jesus, of course. I have the doctrine. And in the last day, in the last day, Jesus, Lazarus will rise from the dead. Jesus said, how about I lead you into a truth that you have not known yet? How about I speak to the dead man and he comes, go ahead and roll the stone away. Do you know, can you imagine how uncomfortable that was for those guys? Roll the stone away. He's been dead three days, Jesus. Yeah, but there's something you haven't known yet. And I want to I lead you into that truth. And I'm just saying, church, I, I'm saying it as Kindly as I can. I'm not here to create controversy. I'm just saying if you insist on a God who submits to your analysis of Him, doesn't that make you God? If you you only entertain a God that you completely understand, I mean, I need a God who is beyond me. I need a God who, you know, if I don't have a God who is beyond me, I don't really have a God who can help me. And, And so I think there's a great challenge for the church, and it's simply... That we would never let God get normal to us. That we would never go, oh yeah, yeah, I got God all figured out. You see, Pastor Mel re- referred to this. I, I can tell oh, it was back in the it was back in the prayer room. I don't remember where it was. Somewhere he said it, but I can tell you the stories about God, but I am not capable of producing passion in your heart for God. That's the help of the Holy Spirit. I can teach you principles about God's love. I can read you the scriptures, but only the Holy Spirit can make them known to you, manifest them to you. I can point to the benefits of obeying the Ten Commandments and and being generous and and the benefits of prayer. I can do all that, but I can't produce a heart in you that actually desires and celebrates the law of God's love. I I can't produce a heart that yearns to, to worship the Lord. The Holy Spirit is the only helper that can do those things in your heart. I can help you with the outside part. Your pastors can help you, you know, with behavior modification. But when it comes to your heart, you need, we need, I need help, and that's why the Holy Spirit is here. He's here to help us with our with our heart. And I just need to warn you because I, I know you. I can already see you. Just like, oh, I can't believe he's talking about the Holy Spirit, but I just need to tell you, the Holy Spirit does not prefer that you live an anemic life. He wants to. Push you into places you don't know about. He 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 wants to supersize your life. He you know he wants to take the things of heaven and bring them into the earth. He wants to take the things of Jesus and relentlessly put them before your heart and and manifest God in in you. He, he wants to shine brightly on the, the kingdom of God here on the earth. And so I'm just warning you, the more you hang out with the Holy Spirit, the more you'll be challenged to grow the kingdom of God in your heart. And and you know what did Paul say? That is the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so I'm just telling you, the kingdom, when we say kingdom and come, we're talking about something the Holy Spirit is gonna do. He's gonna bring He's gonna increase righteousness and peace and joy. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Now, just really practical. Let me get really practical with you. Peter says that God has already, by his salvation, given you all the things that you need for life and godliness. Listen, there is nothing. No constriction. There is no restriction on your life when it comes to godliness. There might be a restriction on your ability to get up here and sing in a microphone because you might be a bad singer. Or there might be a restriction on your life to get up here and teach because that's just not what you do really well. But when it comes to life and when it comes to godliness, Jesus has given you everything you need to succeed. But the Holy Spirit comes to show you Those things that Jesus has provided. And I guess that is the problem, isn't it? Unless you really desire, unless you really desire to be whole in your heart, unless you really desire to be purposeful in your heart, then the Holy Spirit's not going to be your ally. I don't know if you know anyone who just prefers to stay dysfunctional. Do you know anybody just like, I don't really want to be whole? Because I'll be honest, I know a few people that just like, they have a chance to be whole, but they don't want to be whole because they know intuitively that if they lose their woundedness and they lose their fear, we're going to expect more of them. If you're whole, we're going to expect you to get a job. You know what I'm saying? It, I, there's really the woman, she's not in my church now, but in another church that, that I pastored. And every time we gathered, it was all about her unsaved husband. It was like, oh, please pray for my unsaved husband. Oh, please. you know. And then her husband became the most on fire Christian I'd ever met in my life. And she was miserable. Because she had lost her identity. She, she had lost the, the attention that came from everybody feeling sorry for her because she had this horrible, un, unsafe husband. I mean, that happens to all of us, right? I, I spent a lot of time reflecting on how many times the Holy Spirit has offended my mind to grow my heart. And it's been a lot. It's a long list, but you know know my baseball story a little bit. I mean, that was my plan. I was going to go play baseball. I vowed when I was in high school that I would never, ever, ever pastor a church. And silly Jesus put mud in my eye with the power of the Holy Spirit. That was just the beginning. I mean, I was so in love. This is, a, this is a familiar story to my whole family. I was so in love with another girl, not Beck, not the woman that I am in. I'm just so in love with right now, and I thought I was going to marry her. And the Holy Spirit offended my mind and, and called an audible and said, no, 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 that's not the girl I want you to marry. I want you to marry Becky Ross Hennessy, a Yankee, for goodness sake. I, it was unbelievable. It's like, it's like, Jim, I've got so much better for you than what you've been planning on. I am so grateful that he offended my mind. I mean, I specifically remember, this is a long list, but it's, I'm not gonna tell y'all. I specifically remember when I was pastoring in Alabama, saying, I don't know why I said this, but I said it more than once, I will never pastor a church in Florida. And then when I was pastoring in Florida, I specifically remember saying, I will never pastor a church in Texas. (laughs) And when my marriage seemed loveless and my mind seemed hopeless, I am so glad the Holy Spirit went past what I knew to bring healing to our marriage. I'm just trying to get you to understand I have, I am a person who needs help every day. I need a helper. I'm so glad, so glad that God didn't confine himself to what I knew about. You may have read this. People who use Instagram a lot fight depression. Did you see that? That was in the news? They have to fight depression a lot. Um, and that actually makes sense to me because when you go on Instagram, you know, after you've laid in bed all day in your pajamas, watch Netflix, and then you start watching. Those pictures on Instagram, and you look, and it's a Photoshop society, right? It's like, oh, look how beautiful she is. Oh, oh, look how happy their marriage is. Oh, look how wonderful their children are. You know, oh, look at that great career promotion that that guy got. And all of a sudden, you're just feeling. I just want to tell you that I just, this is liberating to you. Even the people who seem like they don't need help, they need help too. We need help. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not going to ignore your passionless faith. The Holy Spirit is not going to ign- he's not going to let your sins go uncontested. He's not going to let you live in your depression. He's not going to let you live in your bad marriage. He's not going to live let you live in your despair. He comes to manifest the benefits of the cross. He came to manifest and make known the will of the Father for your joy and your peace and your intimacy with with God and You know, what he really wants to do is take you from what you know about God to bring you into actual knowledge of God. That was point one. Point two, I'm I'm almost done. Then I'm going to catch a plane. Holy Spirit not only, um, what did I say the first one was? Manifest God. Thank you. Second thing the Holy Spirit does is expands and empowers us. He expands and empowers us. Again, John 14, 15, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world world can't accept him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him. For he lives with you and he'll be in you. Verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said. And then finally, in John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus said, I have so much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when He, the Spirit of Truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will tell you what what is to come. Acts one eight. That's the famous one, right? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, last night I I, I tried to teach you. I tried to I tried to envision with you what a spiritually healthy person looks like. And I said, there are two things that a spiritually healthy person manifests. A spiritually healthy person is very successful in their relationships. They love people, even their enemies. They love, love, love. And a spiritually healthy person has an awareness of transcendence, right? Buzz Lightyear. Uh, you know, what did, what did he say? I can't even remember what he said. Yeah, infinity and beyond. He, he had transcendence, okay? So, like, I'm not saying that you're an ego person. I'm not saying that you're, you know, nobody wants to be one of those guys, on those Christians on TV that everybody makes fun. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about there's an awareness in your life that you are more than you appear to be because the spirit of the living God lives inside you. This is how you know you're spiritually healthy. If you love well and you have this attitude of transcendence, well, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes and expands your love and and empowers this, this life so that you realize, you know what, I I can actually pray for people and they they're gonna get healed. I can I can actually, you know, I can actually worship God and He inhabits the prayer. There's something beyond the way I just seem that I am. And and I want to I could spend forever. Just three generalizations about how this happens. Number one, this happens when he convinces us. Um, verse eight. When he comes, he will convict us of guilt and righteousness and judgment. Now, I'm actually like the word convict better than convinces, but I say convinces first because it's a little bit a little bit softer. I like convict because it's the root word of conviction and I just want to say that the most important thing in your life is your convictions you see what is a conviction it's non-negotiable it's something I'm going to die for so when the Holy Spirit starts getting momentum in your life you're going to have some convictions you're going to say look I don't know everything about this but this is what I know I was blind now I see It's a a conviction, you know. There's security when your life has convictions. And I just have testimony tonight. I am convicted that God loves me. It's non-negotiable. I don't care what you say. I, don't care. I am convicted that my guilt and my shame is gone by the accomplished work of Jesus on the cross. That is a secure place for me. I have conviction uh, about that. I, I am convicted that Satan has been judged and defeated. Therefore, I can live as an overcomer. I am convicted that by its stripes, uh, i got to calm down. Convicted that if I'm absent from my body, I'm present with the Lord. The Holy Spirit helps me come to these convictions. Everybody needs a few convictions in their life. My dad was great at giving us convictions. He's like, you lie, you die. There was a lot of security around that. We knew that everybody in our family was going to tell the truth makes you feel safe when you know everybody's telling the truth. My dad, I, you didn't have, when we woke up on Sunday mornings, we never had to say, Dad, are we going to church this morning? There was a conviction about church attendance, and it just built. I'm not saying that needs to be your conviction. I'm just saying it built a security in, in our life. We didn't have to wonder. We weren't double-minded about whether or not we, we were going to go to church. I'm just saying to be convicted about things is completely different than, well, perhaps the Lord's coming back someday. Well, perhaps I'm saved. Well, maybe, maybe when I pray for somebody, it'll make a difference. I, I wish you knew my journey because what God has brought our church out of to where we are now is just one of the most remarkable things I know of anywhere. Our church used to be terrible. And I tell you, when our church was terrible, people weren't asking me to come talk to their church. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I mean our church was just hanging on by a thread. We couldn't pay our bills. People left our church by the drove and they just wiped their feet on the mat when they left. You know it was so hurtful, it was so confusing and we had an old baseball field on our property. Our church had a hundred acres at the time we have seventy now, and, and there was an old baseball field and I used to go out on that old baseball field, and I remember I'd just I'd go walk on that baseball field because I'm a baseball player and it felt like a sanctuary to me, so I'd go walk on that baseball field, and I'd scream at God, I'd say, "God, what have you done? Why did you bring me here? Why is this church so messed up?" And you know what I'd get from God? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing except a conviction. And the Holy Spirit that he who had begun a good work in me would complete it. A conviction that he had called me to pastor Trinity Church. A conviction that the promises he had made to my heart were yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And, and, I, and I bring that up because now we have a new baseball field. And I have a whole new conversation when I walk around that baseball field. It's like, thank you, Jesus, that my church isn't stupid anymore. Holy Spirit helps us by convicting us. Second way the Holy Spirit helps us is by developing our character. Galatians 5 says, If you'll live by the Spirit, you'll not gratify the desires of sinful nature. For sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit What is contrary to sinful nature? They're in conflict with one another, so that you don't do what you want to do. You guys know this. I mean, we talked about this earlier too. There's a big problem in our lives. We we have conflicting desires. We want to be skinny and we want to eat chocolate cake. You know, we want to be healthy and we don't want to exercise. So we got all these conflicting desires going on. We need help. We need help, and, and and yet we know we we know our spirit is going to flourish around the good things that come from God, and our spirit is going to deteriorate and, and 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 shrink around sinful things. And so Paul he presents this this list. It's not it's not inclusive, but he says, "Look, there's sexual immorality, there's hatred, there's discord, there's drunkenness," and then he says, "Just contrast that with the fruit of the spirit: love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and and goodness." And he's just saying. What I I'm saying, what he's saying, if you hang out with the Holy Spirit, your character is going to get a whole lot better. Yeah. He's going to help your character because he he's relentless. About pushing against the old habits that keep you small and keep you in bondage and keep you unreliable and keep you emotionally crippled. and when he pushes against those, he's wanting to replace them with new desires, like like love. I was at a missions meeting a few weeks ago. It, it was kind of a it, it was kind of a meeting that people got invited to if they if they gave a lot of money to missions, and so I was at this missions meeting, and I, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop here in just a second. this this missions meeting, and the guy was, he he had audacity. He came up to me and says, Jim, he says, I really think you ought to give $10,000 to this project. (sighs) I was like, there's no way I'm going to give $10,000 to this project. And I, I mean, in my mind, I'm not saying this to him, you know. Like, we got, my, we got our own project. We got, we just got a farm in East Texas. We got to take care of. We got, we're sending eight trips to Madam Morris this year. i just, I got, I got my mission stuff together. I'm just, I'm just here to hang out with friends, pretty much. I mean, I'm going to give you some money, but I'm not going to give you ten thousand dollars. And then he tricked me. He said, let's just, let's just pray about it. <laughs> I knew better than to pray. I knew better than to pray. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm not going to pray. But I did bow my head, and I closed my eyes, and as soon as I, as soon, I didn't even have to pray. I didn't even have to ask. As soon as I did, here's what I heard from the Holy Spirit. I thought we were going to be generous this year. (laughs) It's like, I don't want to be generous. Yeah, but you wanted to be generous. I mean, now you've got conflicting desires. I'm like, yeah, but I'm already more generous than all these other pastors that are here. And, and I'll tell you what came after that. Nothing. <laughs> Silence. And I had a choice. I was either going to grow the character and the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my heart, or I'll just ignore him. And I'm just, uh, I, don't, I hate to say this, but he, he really helps those who want his help. And if you don't want better character, don't bother hanging out with the Holy Spirit. But your wife wants you to hang out with the Holy Spirit. And then finally, and I close with this, how does the Holy Spirit help us? He he distributes spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit expands us by giving us the Massingales, gifts of the Spirit apostles, and prophets, and pastors, and teachers, and evangelists, and they are uniquely engineered by the Holy Spirit to help us grow our love and our transcendence. You think you voted these guys in? (laughs) (laughs) Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit gave them to you as gifts. I know this makes them uncomfortable. I didn't ask permission to say this kind of stuff. Holy Spirit helps us grow our love and our transcendence. He's all, Holy Spirit wants to give us miracles. He wants to give us, you know, prophetic words. He wants to give us healings. He wants to give us supernatural faith. He wants to expand our lives so that the spotlight that's on Jesus can go brighter and brighter and brighter. Um, When we built our new building, we. We put a lot of new shrubs in. And the problem with putting shrubs in Texas is there's no water to water the shrubs with. And it was, and it was in a drought. We put all these new shrubs in, and they're withering, and they're, and they're dying. In fact, they all did die. And somebody told us that underneath our um, property was a big lake, a big reservoir of water underneath our property. And we had some people come check it out had one of those little sticks, and no, that's not how it happened. It's <laughs> not how it happened. I am funny sometimes. We had some people come check it out, and sure enough, there was water. So I think it was—I don't remember—1,700 feet. We dug a well. We put this well down 1,700 feet, and so we had water, and we had a well, but it didn't help our shrubs at all. Why? Because we had to get these little PVC things. We had to get these little plastic pieces and we had to run it from the well to the places where the shrubs were. And then we had to put sprinkler heads on the end of the, of the PVC pipe so that wherever the shrubs were, there would be living water. Water by which they, they could live. I've come to declare over you that part of your identity as a church is not, you're not a potato head, but you are a sprinkler head. There's a living water. There's a living water church. And the only way that these communities are going to flourish is if somebody is willing to say, I'll distribute. I'll distribute the gifts of the Spirit. I'll distribute what the Holy Spirit has made available to me. That's the only way. No, it's the only way that the spotlight of Jesus will shine brightly in these communities, if you become a distributor, um, I'm musicians. Come on up here, help me, help me close this. If you start playing, I'll start stopping. <laughs> um, I have a friend named Cherry. I have a friend named Cherry Irving, and she is one of the people of our church. just Just a light person who goes into schools to try to present the testimony of Jesus, and she. Um, She goes into one of the baddest schools in Dallas, one of the meanest schools in Dallas. And a couple of weeks ago, she went into this school, and the girls were just, it's a girls' basketball team, and they were just going crazy with one another. They were were just on the verge of fighting and fighting. And Cherry's really good at conflict resolution, but all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit gave her an idea and some words, and she resolved, and and, and all that tension just went right away, supernaturally. I have another friend, her, her name is, uh, I don't tell you her name. I have another friend, and, and you wouldn't know her if I told you her name, so why would I tell you her name, right? She was in Nordstrom's. She was buying shoes, buying some new shoes. And she's sitting there, and the guy that's giving her the new shoes, she's got like 20 pairs of shoes, trying to, f- to figure out which one. And while she's trying on shoes, the Holy Spirit whispers in her ear that the guy that's putting shoes on her feet had bankruptcy last week. He had to bankrupt. And the reason he was working in the shoe shop was because everything he had, he had lost. And while he's putting shoes on her feet, she says, You know, I, I know about your bankruptcy and I know, that, I know that you've lost everything, but I just, the Lord has me here right now to tell you that He loves you. The guy, by the time this is over, is in Nordstrom's, he's weeping like a baby right there. Because supernaturally, the Holy Spirit distributed. Do you think I'm making this stuff up? You you do think I'm making it up? No. I'm telling you the truth. Listen, two years ago in Cedar Hill, Texas, we had the meanest, most blasphemous school superintendent in the United States of America. The guy was terrible. Terrible. Just terrible. And we didn't know what to do because we, we felt like we wanted to go into the schools and give a testimony of Jesus. He would not let us get near the schools. And the Holy Spirit told one of the ladies in our church, if you'll just march around the high school and pray, I'll get rid of him. So she did. I'll tell you this person's name, Becky Hennessy. <laughs> she marched around the high school, and the next year, we got this amazing, spirit fill. he goes to our church, new super, they fired the old superintendent, this new superintendent comes, he says, please help me, come into my schools, come into all the schools, show us who Jesus is. We need help, we need help. All right, I'm gonna pray for you. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Who, who, who do I get to pray for tonight? If there's, if there's anyone here who is like, okay, I'm willing to admit I need help. I need help connecting to God. Just let's start at the basic. I just struggle just to, just to find a relationship with God. I need that kind of help. I wanna pray for you tonight. If you're here and you're like, um, okay, I believe in God. I know certain things about God, but I've, I feel, okay. I feel like I've put God in some real small spaces. I'm I'm limiting him, I'm putting, I've confined him to what I currently understand. I'm willing, Pastor, to let you pray for me that the Holy Spirit will help me want a God who is past my current understanding. That takes courage, but I'd like to pray for anybody who has that kind of courage. And thirdly, the third ask is a simple one. If you're in a specific situation, that seems so beyond you that you have no idea how you're gonna get out of it, I wanna pray that the Holy Spirit would help you. He would get You would get help from heaven. You would get help from heaven in that specific situation. So here are the three. Any of these fit your heart. Let me pray for you. You need help connecting to God. You need help receiving God who is beyond your current level of understanding. Or you need help in a specific Situation. if any of that fits your life, would you just show me your hand all over the house right now? I would you, would you just stand? Just everybody stand. There's so many hands. I don't think there's a distinction tonight. I think everybody, you know, almost everybody lifted their hand anyway. And I just, I'll answer this altar call for you. We all need help. We all need help. And I don't mean to impose my style on you. I I love you. I want what's best for you. Would you just ask the Lord for help right now? I'm going to pray for you. But would you just make a personal prayer? Holy Spirit, help me. Help me, Holy Spirit. Jesus, I want to thank you that you didn't leave us orphaned. I want to thank you that you did not leave us to do this on our own. Oh, it's so hard. Nobody wants Christians around these days. Nobody. Lord, the the world is a hostile place, but we have help. We have the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And so, Lord, we're changing our attitude about the Holy Spirit. We are embracing the Holy Spirit. We are helping. We We are receiving the help. We're acknowledging that we need the help. Lord, I pray for every person who's standing now. Lord, build in us convictions convictions about the goodness of God building us convictions about the goodness of God and Lord we give you permission we go on record tonight, Tuesday night I don't know what the date is but Tuesday night we give you permission to expand our lives expand us Lord Lord there, there are trees and shrubs and people who just really need living water would you distribute hope through us, Lord? Would you, do, would you give us the boldness and the, and the awareness of transcendence so that we're not living like cowards? We're not living like cowards, but we would be able to, we'd be able to distribute to the strategic places of this community the love and the hope and the healing of Jesus the Christ. Lord, I thank you that there's a shift right now in our hearts. And that shift is we are not satisfied with our current place. We want the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. And Lord, for that, I give you thanks in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To watch this message on video, go to summittogether.com.